0: Come on, can we make some noise in this place if you're excited that you came to church? I mean, make some noise like you're really excited to be at church this morning. Park Meadows, you look good at the 9 a.m. Can we make some noise for everybody that's joining us at all of our campuses across Denver this morning at the 9 a.m.? Rumor on the street is that the 9 a.m.'s got the most faith. Do you agree? Do you agree? I'm, uh, I'm excited this weekend. Um, I want to I wanna just take a quick moment before we dive into God's Word. Um, because after singing some truths like that, it's easy to pass by it, sit down, open up your Bible, and move on. But um, we, we might have just sang one of the most profound characteristics of God For people like you and I that face challenging and difficult situations, the fact that he is a way maker when there seems to be no way is good news for humanity. The fact that... We serve a God that even when we can't see it, even when we can't necessarily understand what he is up to, we can lean back on the fact that God is working on our behalf. He is faithful. The word of God says that what he begins, he will see through to completion. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you in the dark. He will not leave you astray. But the Lord says that he is near to the brokenhearted. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's the kind of God That we serve. It's good news. So I don't know what situation you might have walked in here with. Some of your situations are very difficult, but this truth still remains true despite our circumstances. And so I want to encourage some hearts this morning if you came in here with a, a dire situation, You came in here with something that has just been troubling your heart, perplexing your mind, causing your soul to be filled with chaos. You came to a really great place because even when you don't necessarily have the faith for your own situation, you came into a building full of people that have enough faith for your situation. And so I want to encourage you, when you step into Red Rocks Church, it's okay to borrow some faith for your situation. Are you ready for church? God, before we dive into your word, I just declare over this house, God, let ears be opened, eyes be opened, hearts be opened to understand the, the complexity that is the word of God. Help us to see it as true and simple and applicable to our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us the power of your spirit. That will lead us into all truth. And so in this place, God, I just pray, would you just open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to comprehend what God would want us to hear this morning. And I thank you for every single person at the 9 a.m. across Denver that troubled the winter weather to be here because it matters. God, your word says that you're a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. So I pray, would you reward some people this morning? We pray all these things in the precious, powerful, irrevocable, irresistible, undefeated, unbroken, living and dwelling, reigning and ruling name of Jesus Christ. And everybody across all of our 9 a.m. campuses said, hey, give away five high fives before you're seated. Five high fives. I hope this this series has been beneficial to you as we kind of look at the one hour a week that most of us spend in church. How do we take home our faith? Um, How do we take the worship with us? How do we take the word with us? How do we take community with us? How do we take prayer with us? Um, I hope that you've placed a greater emphasis upon um, a lot of the different disciplines um, that really are required to build a sustainable, lifelong journey of faith. Um, as you travel in from the one hour a week that you spend in church into the 167 hours that is your normal work week. Has any of your faith been built over the last month or so? I hope it has. I hope it has. Um, this, this morning, I want to spend some time um, looking in the book of Luke. Um, we're going to talk for just a, a few brief moments on this topic of prayer. And I grew up in the church and so I I have some baggage as it relates to prayer because for most of my life prayer for me was like um, exercise. It was kind of like eating kale. It's kind of like going to the gym or eating healthy. It's kind of that one of those disciplines that for most of us, unless you're just a a superhuman, which my wife is one of those superhumans, um, if you're not a superhuman, most of us go, should probably exercise a little more than I do. Anybody got that going on other than me? Um, I should probably eat more healthy than I do. I should probably run a little bit more than I do. It's one of those disciplines that you go, I know that it's important. I know I would probably feel better if I did it more. But if we look at our lives, there's doesn't seem to translate from I know it's important to I actually do it. Anybody ever felt that way about prayer? Don't make me the only one raising my hand. Sometimes prayer can feel like that, that thing that we walk into church, the pastor beats us up with some, some scriptures about how we need to pray more, and how, how we need to have more faith, and how we need to be more diligent, and most of us leave um, the four walls of a church building, or after we've watched online, and we go, man, I know I need to pray more, so here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to get out my calendar, I'm going to start putting in some prayer slots in my calendar, every morning I'm going to pray for an hour, I'm going to be diligent, and I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to pray. And then you get there, and you start praying, and, and you start to, to run out of things to pray for. And then a few weeks later, it's like a New Year's resolution gone bad. It comes February, and you're like, I don't pray anymore. I want to talk to us um, this weekend on really one of the motivations behind prayer that Jesus shares in the book of Luke. Luke. And the passage that we're going to look at together, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 18, Luke 18. And it's a, a passage of scripture where Jesus is with his disciples and he's trying to teach them how to pray and not lose heart. How to pray and not stop, how to pray and not lose hope. Any of you pretty interested in learning how to pray and not lose heart, learning how to pray and not lose hope? Because Jesus' disciples were in a predicament, the guys that were closest to Jesus, where they're going, Jesus, we see how vital and how crucial and how important prayer is in your life, but there seems to be a disconnect in our lives. Um, It's comforting to me because I go, hey, me me too. Um, I want to read this morning from the uh, the Passion Translation, um, because I love some of the language that some of the theologians pulled out, because I think... As we look at prayer in 2020, I think it makes some of the the emphasis and some of the hope that Jesus was trying to communicate a little bit more abrasive than it might come across in your ESV or NIV. Um, So read along with me on the screens. It says this in Luke 18. It says one day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying, never stop or lose hope. He shared with them an illustration or a parable, a story. And in verse 2, it says, in a certain town, there was a judge, a thick-skinned, godless man who, feared, who had no fear of others' opinions. I don't know about you, but not necessarily the guy that I want pleading my case for me. And in verse 3, it says, and there was a poor widow in that town who kept pleading with the judge, grant me justice and protect me against my oppressor. Now, before we go on, I want to give a little bit of context, because when Jesus' disciples would be hearing this story, they'd be translating it in their context, the same way you're listening to this story and translating this into our context. During this time in Palestine, a woman was seen as a second-hand, second-class citizen having no right or standing apart from the person or the man that she would be married to. Now, This is difficult because here this woman is, not only is she a woman in a a difficult society to be a woman, um, but she's also a widow, meaning she has no association, no relationship to the person that would validate her acceptance in society. During this time, women didn't stand before judges, was culturally unacceptable. And, and, and it wasn't just as easy as it is now where the law determines whether or not you stand before a judge. During this time, uh, when you would go into the courthouse or the courtroom, it wasn't a, a pretty building at the center of the city. Um, judges would travel from city to city on a circuit and they would meet in a tent. And anybody from the community could come and they could watch um, the way that the judge determined certain situations and, and the way that he communicated, they, they could come and, and they could watch, very similar to the way that we watch some of the court shows or Judge Judy on television. You could, you could watch being anybody. But not anybody could get their case before a judge. It was only people that the judge approved or found acceptable that could have their cases tried. And then some of the ways that people would get their cases tried is they would, you know, grease the palms of some of the assistants to the judge. Like, hey, get, get me in. Get me some FaceTime before the judge. I got I, I to get my case before him. So this woman's in a really difficult situation because when a woman's husband would die, any inheritance or belongings that the man would have would either be handed to his eldest son or his brother. In this instance, now this woman lives under the, 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 the weight of management from her, either her son or her brother-in-law. Some of you are going, if my brother-in-law was overseeing me and making sure I was taken care of, I would probably be in a difficult situation. The same thing is true for this woman. She's probably left with very little belongings. She has no standing, um, no ability to stand before the judge. And here she is, she's in a difficult situation. She's being oppressed, and she has no ability to get her case before the judge other than to pester him. So let's read this again from verse 2, knowing these things in the back of our mind. In a certain town, there was a judge, a thick-skinned and godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. Feels even worse when you're a widow. Verse 3 says, and there was a poor woman in town, a poor widow in town. And who kept pleading with the judge, grant me justice. Protect me against my oppressor. Verse 4 says, he ignored her pleas for quite some time. And have you ever felt that way about your prayers? If we're honest, have you ever felt that way? Like sometimes it feels like God's just kind of ignoring your plea for a while. Like, I've prayed this thing time and time again, and it doesn't quite seem like God is really listening. I don't really see him working or shifting things around. It feels like he's not listening. He's ignoring my plea. This is where this woman is. It says, but she kept asking. Lean to your neighbor and tell him, keep asking. You can say it louder than that. Keep asking. Come on, if I'm going to be loud and obnoxious, you got to do it too. Eventually, he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me. So I wanted to read it from this translation. It says she keeps annoying me, demanding her rights. I'm tired of listening to her, even though I'm not a religious man and I don't care about the opinions of others. Watch what he says. He says, I'll get her off my back by answering her claims For justice, I will rule in her favor. Who runs the world? This girl got it done. She she came back time and time again to the judge, pleading her case, so much so that this guy goes, this girl's annoying. I'll do what she says. I'll rule in her favor. And then it says, then she'll leave me alone. Some of your translations says, she's going to give me a black eye. She's going to ruin my reputation. She is annoying. And then the Lord continued. He said, did you hear? Did you hear what the ungodly judge said? That he would answer her persistent requests. I can almost sense the excitement of Jesus. And the interesting thing is, is he just made up this story, but he's like, did you hear what he said? It's like, Jesus, you made that up. It's a story. But he's going, did you hear what the ungodly, unjust, sinful, thick skinned man said to this woman, he said that he would answer her persistent request. Here's what's interesting. Jesus is telling this story to teach his disciples how they should pray. He's speaking to a group of 12 men. And as they're listening to this, he's going, it sounds like Jesus is telling us to be an annoying widow. It's kind of weird. Jesus, you're telling us that when we should pray... We should we should be like this annoying widow. You see, when Jesus would tell parables, his hope was that the listeners would place themselves into a story that by telling a story, they could see a similarity in their lives and learn from it in a way that they couldn't if Jesus just spoke directly to them. And so Jesus is going, listen, there's a similarity here. I want you to see that in this story, you are the widow in this story story then, God, are you, the, are you the unjust God? Are you the unjust judge in this situation, thick-skinned with no opinions for people? And he goes, yes, precisely. And when Jesus shares this story, he isn't sharing it so that we would compare the two. So he goes, you're just like the widow, and I'm just like the judge. Deal with it. But he's teaching it from a place of contrast. Here's what Jesus is trying to get across. He's trying to go, listen, if if a poor widow could get what she deserved from a selfish judge. How much more will God's children receive what is right from a loving heavenly father? He's not trying to compare. He's trying to contrast. This is a good news for those of us that have something to bring before God. You see this woman was a stranger before the judge but but Luke 11 says that we are children of God that's how we stand before him This widow would have had no access to the judge but the Bible says in Ephesians 2:18 and Ephesians 3:12 Hebrews 4:14 that we have open access into the presence of God at any moment especially in our time of need This story says that this woman came before a court of law, but Hebrews 4.14 says that we as God's children, we come before a throne of grace in our time of need. She pled out of poverty, but we have all of the riches of God available to us to meet our every single need, Philippians 4.19 says. This judge that she stood before is not like our heavenly father. Jesus is sharing this story not to compare it to our situation, but to contrast it to our situation. He goes, If in your logical, earthly mind, you can perceive and comprehend that an unjust judge could be so pestered, so annoyed by a woman's plea for justice that he would cave to it, he goes, How much more so a good father? How much more so a good father? And so he says, I want you to pray in this manner so that you do not give up. So that you do not stop and you do not lose hope. And and Jesus finishes in in verse 7. He says, don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all of his chosen ones? who cry out to him night and day. When it speaks of night and day, it speaks to somebody that won't quit bringing this before God. He said he'll pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. Verse 8 says, God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting just like the widow was with the judge yet the son of man when he comes back is he asks this question he says will he he find this kind of persistent faithfulness in his people when jesus comes back will he find this kind of persistent faithfulness from his people now it's interesting because jesus when he's speaking about prayer He's like, I want you to have the same kind of intensity that the widow brought before the judge. I want you to be annoyingly persistent. Some of you are going, I feel like I've been really persistent with God. And I'm asking internally, do you feel like you have annoyed him? Do you feel like you have been so persistent that you're like, surely I'm bothering God with my requests? Because the Bible says that God doesn't get tired of your request. He doesn't get annoyed by your request, but He's actually going, listen, internally on a sinful level, on a human level, I want you to pray so diligently that you go, I've brought this before God so faithfully and so consistently. Surely He's getting tired of hearing it. Jesus goes, I want you to pray in that way. Some of you might be asking in your situation, when, when is enough enough? I would say, do you feel like you're bothering him yet? Do you feel like you are so ruthless in your persistence that you're going, surely God is tired of hearing me say this, but I'm going to bring it to you again, God? Because Jesus is going, listen, that's the kind of prayer that I want you to bring to me. (laughs) I want you to be so ruthless. I want you to be so persistent that, that you're going like, God, aren't you getting tired of hearing this? And he's like, no, I'm not. Bring it again. I'm tired of praying for this, God. Pray it again. I'm tired of asking you for this again. Are you not listening? And he says, pray again. For some of you in your situation, I want to encourage you, pray again. Be persistent. Ask God again, even if it feels like you're asking him for another decade, for another thousandth time. Ask him again. This is the heart of God for you. He does not grow tired or weary of your requests. And the longer that I do this whole following Jesus thing, the the more times that I've been so frustrated with my own self-discipline, I start to realize a truth that when I begin to walk in a life of faith and I see troubling circumstances and situations in my path, a life of faith will demand from you that you be so desperate for God's intervention in your life. What I've realized is so many people that struggle with getting into God's word, so many people that struggle with prayer. Most of the time when I press into their lives, I recognize they're not doing anything that requires God's intervention in the first place. If you don't have faith, you don't need prayer because you don't need a God to intervene in your life. You're doing it just fine. But it's why we're exhausted. It's why we're full of anxiety. It's why we're broken. It's why we're insecure. It's why we're full of anger. Because we're trying to do it alone. And God's going, I want you to get to a place where you're desperate, where prayer isn't just a habit. It's not just a discipline. But you do it out of desperation. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You will never be able to produce spiritual disciplines out of your own strength. You're just not strong enough. I'm sorry. You're not disciplined enough. I know how much you eat kale and spinach. You're just not going to pray to a level of somebody that lives a life of faith. We produce spiritual disciplines out of desperation. And so if you're going, I don't feel like I pray. I, I don't feel like I worship God genuinely. I don't feel like I need community I want to ask you, is it because you don't live a life that requires God? Because when you begin to step out into faith, friends, that's when this whole following Jesus thing gets to be really, really fun, is when you step out and you go, God, if you don't show up, I'm God, if you, don't, if you don't intervene in this situation, it's never going to happen. I need you. I'm desperate for you. That's why verses like 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it begins to make so much sense as it pertains to a life of faith. But I was confused for most of my life about 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It starts off and it says, pray without ceasing. I'm going to say that again. Pray without ceasing. When I would read verses like this, I'd be like, oh, my goodness, he wants me to pray all the time. Can I can I sleep? God, can we be exempt when we sleep? How about when I eat? I got to eat every once in a while. I get hangry. Can I just stop to eat for a second? Pray without ceasing. Verse 18 says to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the what? The will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, he says, pray without ceasing. The verse before it says, rejoice always. Shoot, he got me again. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See. When I would read verses like this, I would be like, this is complex. This is difficult because there's also several occasions throughout scripture where it says that Jesus went away to pray. And then he finished. Okay, if Jesus went away to pray and then he finished, it means that Jesus didn't even pray without ceasing. Am I missing the point? I feel like I got to pray at all times. And so I would try to pray at all times. I wanted to be a man of God and I can remember being um, uh, uh, in my early teens In the church that I grew up in, we would do these 24-hour prayer meetings for the entire month of January. We'd get together, and and someone at every hour of every day for the entire month of January would be praying before God. And so me and my buddies, we wanted to be godly men, 14 years of age. We wanted to change the world and do things that no common people would want to do. We wanted to be men of faith. So what we would do is we'd we'd, we'd sign up like every person would want to do that would want to change the world. We signed up for the night watch. We're going to pray through the night. So we would show up, and and most people would do 30 minutes to an hour, and we're like, we're going to do four hours. Are you with me, brothers? So we'd go to the church, and I would do kind of, I'd get in my prayer posture, and I'd get on my knees before God, and I would just Start lifting up everything that I knew to lift up. God, I just pray for our city and God, we pray for lost people and I'd lift people up by name and I'd be going and going and going and going and going and 25 minutes would be in and I'd forget or I would lose sight or I would, I'd feel like I'd prayed through everything that I knew how to pray for. I'm like, I pray for my neighbor's dog too. And God, I pray for global warming and, and world peace and. That tree that's starting to die in our backyard, you know what it means to my dad. And 25 minutes in, I would be like, oh my gosh, okay, all right, three and a half more hours. Oh, just going to lay here in your presence, God. (laughs) And three and a half hours later, I'd get kicked by a buddy of mine. I'm like, I'm up, I'm up, revival, God do something great, amen, you guys have as productive of a prayer time as me. And I would leave there if I was totally honest. I'm like, I'm discouraged. I got to pray without ceasing, and I lasted 25 minutes. I didn't pray without ceasing. I ceased after 25 minutes. And over a period of time, I began to realize that this isn't what the author was trying to communicate when he said, Pray without ceasing. What he was trying to communicate was have the diligence in the faith to continue praying for things even when it doesn't seem like God is working on your behalf. Pray it again. Pray continually. Pray without tiring. Take your requests before God. Don't give up. One commentary talked about this as though prayer would become as crucial and essential to our lives as breathing is that the situations in our lives we would just continually bring before God out of desperation God we I need you in this moment God I I feel insufficient I feel incapable God I need a healing I need a miracle God oh, God, I'm bringing it before you again. I know that it feels like I just brought it before you, but God, I need a miracle. I need a healing. God, I need you to change my situation. God, here here I am again. God, I'm so desperate for you. I need you. God, work on my behalf. Do what I cannot do. Pray as though it's essential to your life as much as breath is. What's funny is I, I don't know anybody that's like, shoot, I need an accountability partner for Breathing. I did not breathe like I wanted to this last week. This whole last week, I didn't even breathe one time. You don't, ha- you don't need an accountability partner for breathing. You breathe just fine because it's essential. Try not breathing for a moment and you will die. Jesus is going, I want you to feel like in your life of faith, as you begin to step out, I want you to feel like if I don't bring my request before God, I will die. That, friends, is convicting to my own heart because I go, man, I grow far too tired in my prayers. I grow far too tired in making my requests before God. And I just want to take a quick second and talk about why this for a preacher is so difficult to communicate Last night as I preached this, I looked at a family whose home just burnt to the ground. Every memory and every possession is gone. A few aisles back, I met eyes with a couple who, for a long period of time, I battled with them in prayer over their newborn son. I held him in my arms with tubes in his nose and IVs and and, 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 and ICU, and we pleaded and we prayed and we fasted and weeks later he died. I'm looking at them going, how do I justify this for people that prayed relentlessly? I got an email from a a person last night who said, my dad died of cancer. Are you saying I didn't pray enough? I'm telling you, I don't have an answer for it. But I never want to let setbacks in my life determine how persistent I am as a man of God in my prayer. Because what I know to be true, we can celebrate that, you can cheer for that. But there's just certain things that as we're trying to do this life, I go, I can't justify it. I could give you balancing statements, but the hard truth is Jesus didn't give balancing statements, so I got to press on. James 5 even says, for those of you that mourn, pray. So even in your hurting and in your pain, Jesus goes, prayer is your solutions, friends. Listen, I don't want to pretend to know what you're going through. I don't want to pretend to come to you with a formula. I just want to tell you what Jesus said. Be persistent in prayer. Pray to the extent where internally you go, surely I'm bothering him. He's going, That's what I want. That's what I want. A few months back my daughter got a bone infection in her arm and she's three and she's about to be three, and she's the most precious little gosh, she's just amazing. And as a dad, you hate for her to be going through the, the, the pain and the difficulty. She couldn't move it. She, every moment she's in pain and she's getting fevers. And it was one of the worst situations. And I'm looking at her going like, I, I would do anything to make you better. But one of the things that was amazing during that time is, is while she was in pain, if you have children, you know what this is like. Sometimes when your kids are sick or they're in pain, they're so cuddly because they just want you. They just want you to be near. They want you to be close. They want you to hold them. They want you to comfort them. And I feel like I want to encourage some of you this weekend that you're going through some really difficult situations. The heart of the father, yes, it is to remedy the situation. But there's also something in the heart of a father that goes, ah, but I love that you want me right now. I love that your pain is pushing you closer to me right now. And I just got to believe that a God that is thinking about things on an eternal scale goes, man, I know that this is painful and I know that this is hurt. and I know that this is horrible, but I love that you're running to me and you're thinking about me. I love that you're talking to me. I love that you're running to me for comfort right now because on a grand scheme, I think that's why the apostle Paul said that these are momentary light afflictions in light of a God that sees things on an eternal perspective. He goes, can you just run to me in your time of need, in your time of mourning? Can you run to me? Because I believe something is true that sometimes God will answer your prayers by giving you what you would have asked for. If you knew what he knew. Some of you need to write that down. I'm going to say it again because I don't think it stuck. Sometimes God will answer your prayers by giving you what you would have asked for. If you knew what he knew. In Luke 11, there's another parable, and I won't go into it, but he's talking about having the same kind of persistence. To bring God your requests, even if you feel like you're bothering him. And he finishes that in verse 9, and it says this, Luke 11, verse 9. Sorry, I'm snotting all over the place. Emotionally unstable, that's what you get. He says this, and these are the words of Jesus Christ, not the words of Ronnie Johnson, so you can take him to the bank. He says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll discover. Knock on heaven's door and it will one day open for you. And then he says this, every Persistent person will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently one day will find an open door. Friends, I came to encourage you this weekend to make your request so ridiculously persistent before God that internally you go, I'm annoying you, I'm, be- I'm pestering you, I'm bothering you, because right when you begin to feel that internally, I promise you, you're on to something. Because here's what happens a lot of times. People start going like, I've been, I've been praying for a while and God's not doing anything, so now I'm waiting on God. And it sounds amazing. It really does. It sounds amazing. I'm waiting on God. I've done my part. He's got to do his part. I'm just going to wait on him. He knows what I want. He knows what I need. And what that means is I'm not doing anything. I want to encourage you. Don't do nothing Bring your request before God. Your miracle is found often in your persistence. God is going, man, I want to see what comes out of you. I want to see how far you chase after this. I want to see how frequently you bring this before me. Come to God in your time of need. And the Bible says every persistent seeker. Will discover what he needs. Every persistent person will get what he asks for, and eventually your door will open for you. At all of our locations, would you stand to your feet if you're able? I want to give us two things that we can take away. If you got your phone, take a picture, write it on your hand, do something. This is our homework. This is what Jesus would ask of us. This is what Jesus asked of his disciples. The first thing I want us to, to work towards this week. Is in the situations in your life, let your desperation get cranked to an 11. And I want you to pray until you feel like you are bothering God. Notice in italics, it says feels like because you're not really bothering God. Just do it till you feel like it internally. You go, surely God's getting annoyed of this. I'd be pretty annoyed. Pray until you feel like you're bothering God. Here's the second thing that I want you to do, because around this room, there are thousands of people going through tremendously difficult situations. There are people in your life going through difficult situations. They would never come through these four walls, but you can meet them in your place of work and you can join them in prayer. Because here's one thing that's true. You have an ear with the God that fashioned and formed the universe. People in your life need Your ability to pray. So the second thing I want you to do is pray like you until you feel like you're bothering God for somebody else. I want you to be so persistent in your request for somebody else that it feels like, God, I know that you might not be getting tired of this. I feel like I'm getting tired of this, but I'm going to bring it again. I want you to hear this. I want you to work on my behalf because if you don't move. It's not gonna happen. I'm gonna pray until I feel like I'm bothering God. Jesus, this weekend across all of our locations, you know exactly what we're going through. God, you know the marriages that feel dead and dormant, you know the situations that feel like they're never gonna change. Jesus, you know the people that feel so lost that we've been praying for, the child that has run astray. God, you know the situations of our lives and we want to bring them before you again. God, I know that there's some people in here that feel like they've lost a battle on the heels of persistent prayer. God, your word says when we mourn, pray again, pray again, pray again. And so God, I just pray over these people In our church community, God, will we be people that bring persistent prayer before you? God, we know that we don't pray to get close to you, but your word says that we pray because we already are close to you because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. You didn't need to give us your ear, but because of Jesus Christ, we have an ear with the God that made heaven and earth. And God, my prayer is that this week, as we begin to make our requests known to you, as you revitalize some of the prayers of our hearts that we have abandoned or we've grown tired of or we've grown weary of today. Jesus, we ask that you would resurrect them and we will earnestly bring them before you because you are a God who loves to hear our cries. You love to hear our pleas. You love to have us bring our requests before you repeatedly. And God, my prayer is would you do miracles? Do what only you can do this week and as a church community we'll give you all of the glory all of the honor and all of the praise red rocks church let's make our requests known before god today and let's worship as we remember that we serve a god who's with us in every single circumstance let's pray